Chapter 14, Seen But Not Heard. The homebound school buses were quieter than usual on Tuesday afternoon, especially the ones hauling a large number of fifth grade kids. But none of the fifth graders found the ride home very hard. With no grown-ups around, it was pretty easy to keep quiet. A few of them sat with friends and passed notes back and forth. Some read books or opened a notebook and did homework. Most of the fifth graders just sat quietly, looking and listening and thinking. For the fifth graders like Lindsay, who stayed after for soccer or field hockey or cross country, after school was just like regular school because the coaches were all teachers and you could answer teachers because of the three word rule. Everyone was getting pretty good at that part of the contest. Soccer practice was easy for Lindsay. Instead of yelling for a ball like she sometimes did, she just waved a hand or made a motion with her head. To direct teammates to cover an area or to move downfield, she pointed. Lindsay was good at soccer. She did most of her communicating with her feet. For kids like Dave, who went right home after school, <clears throat> excuse me, not talking was more difficult, a lot more difficult, because of the fact of nature, it's because it's a fact of nature that parents don't like it when kids don't answer them. David? David had been home for five minutes when he heard his mom come in the front door and call his name. He was upstairs in the bathroom. She called again. David, answer me. To be more specific, Dave was sitting on the toilet. David, answer me. Dave knew that tone of voice. He, he had to do something right away. So he reached over and banged on the inside of the bathroom door. It was the wrong move. His mom was up those front stairs and had both hands on the locked bathroom doorknob in two seconds. David, is that you? Are you all right? David, David, answer me. She was going to kick down the door. Dave was sure of it. He jiggled the doorknob, flushed the toilet, was zipped up and buttoned in about two seconds, and he yanked the door open and gave his mom the best smile he could manage. Mrs. Packer was so relieved that she bent down and hugged Dave so hard that he couldn't have said a word even if he wanted to, which he didn't. But then she held him out in front of her and gave him a stern look. Didn't you hear me calling you? It would have been easy to shake his head no and tell a silent lie, but Dave smiled and shrugged and held out his hands. Then he pointed at his mouth. His mom frowned even more. Your throat? Is your throat sore? Is that it? Dave shook his head. But it's hard to talk. Something hurts? Should I call Dr. O'Hara's office? You can drive. We can drive right over there. Dave shook his head again and motioned for his mom to follow him. He went to his room and then to his desk and on a piece of paper he wrote, Sorry, it's a thing we're doing at school. Not talking for a couple of days. That's all. His mom looked at the paper. Not talking, she said. Don't be silly. Everybody has to talk. Dave smiled and shrugged and then he wrote, not all the time. His mom tilted her head back and made a face at him, nodding slowly. Oh, so you're saying that I talk all the time. Is that it? Again, David smiled and shrugged. Because I could be as quiet as anybody, then she added, if I wanted to. Bending over to pick up a sweatshirt, she pushed it into her arms and said, Well, anyway, get the rest of these dirty clothes picked up and go downstairs and start a load in the washer. Only dark colors, all right? Dave made a face and said, And don't give me any of that sass, mister. At his karate class, Kyle did a front snap kick without a yell. Mr. Hudson bowed and said, Kyle, son, always yell like this when you kick. Hiya, now you. Kyle did, did the kick again and moved his face and mouth, but he didn't yell. Mr. Hudson's face got red and he walked stiffly like he always did when he was displeased, but he was still being polite because that was the karate way. He bowed. Kyle, son, did you not hear me? Ben Ellis walked into the mat and bowed to Mr. Hudson. He was in fourth grade. When Mr. Hudson bowed back, Ben said, Hudson-san, the fifth grade kids aren't talking, none of them. Hudson-san bowed and made a wise face and tried to imagine what the teacher in the movie The Karate Kid would say in this situation. After a long pause, he said, ah, I see, yes, silence is good. 
Then he bowed at Kyle's son, and Kyle's son bowed back. Then Kyle did another snap kick without yelling. Ellen played the first flute piece for her teacher, but there was a problem. Mrs. Lennox said, all right, we're in four, four times here. And she used her pencil and pointed at the quarter rest. How many beats of silence do you allow for this rest? Ellen tapped once on the music stand. Her teacher said, correct, but just say one beat. Then Mrs. Lennox pointed to the symbol for a whole rest. And how many beats for this one? Ellen tapped out four beats. Just say four beats, dear. Ellen smiled and tapped four times and then pointed at her mouth and shook her head. What? asked Mrs. Lennox. Again, Ellen pointed to her mouth and shook her head. Your lips? Something about your lips? asked the teacher. Just tell me, dear. Ellen smiled and shook her head. Then she lifted the flute to her lips and played the piece again. And this time she read all the rest perfectly. Her teacher nodded, smiled, and then turned the page to the next piece. Before Ellen began to play, Mrs. Lennox pointed at each rest, and Ellen tapped out the right number of each beats, of right number of beats. The teacher nodded, and Ellen began to play. When she finished, Mrs. Lennox smiled, pointed at the start of the piece, picked up her own flute, nodded, and they played the whole piece again as a duet. Neither of them said a word the rest of the lesson. <clears throat> Brian's mom picked him up at school, and when he got in the car, she said, you need a haircut. We're stopping at Zeke's on the way home. Brian groaned and shook his head. He stamped his foot on the floor of the car. His mom kept driving. Brian hated going to Zeke's modern barber shop. Zeke was a grumpy guy who'd been cutting hair in Laketon for more than 40 years. He gave everyone the same haircut, short on top and buzz close on the sides. But the last two times he'd been there, Brian had to force Zeke to do a halfway decent job, but only because he practically yelled at the man the whole time. Not so short on top. No, really, that's enough off the top. And don't use the clippers on the sides, just scissors. There, that's enough. Don't cut off any more. Really, no, please, no clippers, just the scissors, please. And that's why today was the wrong day for a haircut. If Zeke got him into that worn out barber chair, Brian knew he'd end up looking like something that had escaped from the zoo. When his mom parked the car, Brian jumped out and dashed into the pizza place next to the barber shop. But his mom followed him. He pointed at the menu, but she shook her head. There's no time for a snack. We have to pick up your sister in 15 minutes. She pulled or took him by the arm and pulled him out of the restaurant and over to Zeke's door. Now get in there, quick. There's no line right now. Brian wanted to say, newsflash, mom. There's never a line at Zeke's. The man's a rotten barber and he has bad breath. But Ryan couldn't say that. And he wouldn't be able to talk to Zeke either. He was doomed. 15 minutes later, when his big sister got into the car, she took one look at Brian and burst out laughing. She said... Zeke, right? Brian could only nod. He had paid a heavy price for keeping his mouth shut, but he kept his promise to Dave and the other guys, and they didn't beat the girls. Well, it wasn't going to be his fault, and he had a bad haircut to prove it. Was it worth it? Yeah, he thought it was worth it. So what if I look like a monkey for a week, or two, or three? Brian stared out the window and tried not to think about it. Mrs. Burgess was worried. She glanced in the rearview mirror and looked at her daughter's face again and thought, did she have a horrible day at school? Is that what's bothering her? Or maybe something happened at soccer practice. That coach of hers can be pretty rough. After a month, about a month earlier, Lindsay had started riding in the backseat of the car instead of up in the front. Her mom had noticed that her bright, chatty little girl started to become more serious, sort of distant now and then. And today, not even a word and barely a nod as she got into the car after the practice. Lindsay's mom thought, maybe she's giving me the silent treatment because I said she couldn't go to that sleepover at Kelly's this weekend. That's probably it. Kids can be so moody sometimes. Goodness knows I was. The truth is, Lindsay was, wasn't feeling moody at all. She was just thinking. Actually, she was thinking about thinking. 
Not talking all afternoon had made her realize something. For years now, she had done most of her thinking out loud. I've been just blurting out whatever's on my mind to my sister, to my mom, and at school. I just go on and on, and then I talk on the phone all night. Incredible. Lindsay hated to admit it, but Dave Packer might be on the right, might be right about the top of her her head exploding because now it felt like it, because that's how it had felt like at first. She felt like a faucet that had been wide open, gushing and gushing forever, and then suddenly it flipped shut, and all of her thoughts had been bottled up. But by the time school let out, Lindsay had started to enjoy the challenge, and all during soccer practice, she felt like she was alone, just her and her own voice. And she felt like saying, hi there, I'm Lindsay. Remember me? I live here. <laughs> Thinking and being quiet. It was different and it was good. As the car turned into their street, almost home, she looked up and saw her mom's eyes in the car mirror and instantly felt how worried she was. So Lindsay gave her mom a wave and a big smile and her mom smiled back. All over town, the other fifth graders were figuring out how to get along without talking. Were there mistakes made on Tuesday afternoon? Yes, but only a few. Every single fifth grade girl and boy was working hard not to talk. And later on, as it got to be dinner time and family time and homework time and bedtime, there were other problems that the kids faced. A phone call from grandma, a little brother who needed help with his homework, a family trip to the mall for new shoes, lots of situations that begged for spoken words. Every single kid had unusual experiences Tuesday night, and every single kid had to be creative and alert and quiet. But it's not time to tell about all that. It's time to go back to the school, back in time to about 3.30 on Tuesday afternoon, back to the conference room next to the office, because that's where the principal and the fifth grade teachers had held a special meeting, and they had plenty to talk about. Chapter 15, Control Center. So, you've been with our fifth graders all afternoon, and you've seen and heard what they're doing. What do you think should be done? Mrs. Hyatt looked from face to face around the conference table. Mrs. Marlowe spoke right up. We should get them all in the auditorium tomorrow morning and lay down the law. Just stop it. It's silly and it's disruptive. I mean, it's interesting and all that. And with these kids, and maybe it's an even an improvement, but it's still not right. What's? It was sort of cute right after lunch today. And then I had the second group and then the third group during seventh period. And by then it was just a bother, a real distraction. We've got a lot of material to cover in science. So I should say we squashed the whole thing right away. Mrs. Escobar nodded her agreement. It's very annoying in math class, these short answers they use. It's a game to them, and they're all, and that's all that they're paying attention to. I'm trying to work, and if they're playing a game, it's frustrating, very frustrating. So this is my, this is, so if this is a vote, I say we stop this thing tomorrow. Mrs. Burton, Mr. Burton shook his head, but why? It's very inventive what they're doing, and it's creative, and they're thinking, and I think it's mostly positive too. They're all exercising some self-control, which is a big change for this group. I think we should try to have a sense of humor about it and just let it run its course. I can go on for very long. It can't go on for very long, can it? What's the harm? Well, it's not a problem in the gym, said Mrs. Henley. Actually makes it easier, me not having to yell and all. And I've got no complaints. If they want to be like this, be like they were the afternoon for the whole rest of the year, it's perfectly fine by me. It's not fine by me. That was Mrs. Akers talking. I only get them for music two or three times a week, and they need to make every minute count. And I asked Jim Torrey if he feels the same way about art class. I went along with it this, this afternoon, and we had some fun too, but I can't afford to waste more class time. I can't teach them songs if they won't sing more than just three words in a row. 
I just realized something, said Mrs. Overby. You know what that little rascal Dave Packer did yesterday? Instead of giving an oral report, he stood up in front of the class and coughed for two, maybe three whole minutes. And he was pretending, I'm sure of it, so he wouldn't have to talk. This really has to stop. Mr. Burton said, but don't you remember? We're talking about the unshushables. The kids have been driving the whole school nuts for years and years. And suddenly, like some amazing gift from elementary school heaven, they all stopped talking. And what are we going to do? We're going to start them right up again. That doesn't make sense. Why not wait a little? You know, see what happens. Just for another day or so. What's the harm in that? Mr. Burton honestly didn't think it was a problem. But even if he had, he would have asked the other teachers to back off anyway. He was hoping the quiet time would go on long enough for him to gather more information for a paper he needed to write for his human development class. The principal had heard enough. She was glad to get everyone's opinion, but she didn't want the teachers turning against each other. This was her school, and like everything else, the decision was her responsibility. Mrs. Hyatt said, Thank you for your thoughts. Very helpful. But it's not a voting situation, and I've made my decision. You know, I've been trying to get these kids to quiet down ever since they were in first grade. So it's tempting to go along with this activity of theirs and hope it will lead to an improvement. But I think that would be wrong. The sudden quiet may seem easier than all the noise, but neither behavior is really what we want. These children need to learn to be quiet when it's right to be quiet, and they need to talk and participate at the right times too. We don't want an all or nothing situation, which is what this is. What we need is a real balance, real self-control. If we let them keep up this game or contest or whatever it is, I think we'll be sending the wrong message. So we need to have an assembly tomorrow. I've noticed that Lindsay Burgess and Dave Packard seem to be the ringleaders. And I, actually, Mrs. Marlowe interrupted, I think it's more like Dave and Lindsay are sort of the team captains. They're keeping score, counting words, and it's the boys against the girls. I intercepted a note. The principal raised an eyebrow, raised her eyebrows. A note? You didn't tell me that. Mrs. Marlowe shrugged. It was this afternoon in my classroom. Mrs. Hyatt said, it might have been helpful if you told me about this sooner, the principal paused, letting everyone feel how displeased she was. And in that moment, Miss, Mr. Burton thought, women, always keeping little secrets. But he immediately corrected that thought, because nobody who hangs on to stereotypes about girls and boys shouldn't, especially if he's a teacher. The principal said, anyway, that's good to know, and I think I see a way to approach the problem. So at the start of homeroom, please bring all the students to the auditorium. It was quiet for a moment. Then Mr. Burton said, what are you going to do if the kids don't respond to your approach? Mrs. Hyatt looked at him, a trace of frost in her eyes. What do you mean? Well, he said, I'm just saying that we've got five years of experience with this group. They've never obeyed very well, even when we've told them to stop being noisy. Why would it be any different if we tell them to stop being so quiet? Mrs. Hyatt stared at Mr. Burton a moment, and in her mind, a little voice said, leave it to a man to say something negative. But of course, she immediately corrected herself because that kind of thought can get a principal in trouble. On a school faculty, it's never supposed to be girls against boys. In fact, it's called discrimination, which is against the law. So Mrs. Hyatt looked around the table, smiled, and said, All I can promise is that I'll do my best to resolve this situation in the most orderly way possible, and I know each of you will do the same. See you first thing in the morning. As the teachers left the conference room, there wasn't much talking. In fact, there was none. Talk to you tomorrow, guys. Bye.